And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. Barbarian rage in the freaking Hey, house. what's up, man? How's, How's it going? going? Good, good. I I have been stoked, but we're going to do awesome. a deep dive into the Barbarian today. All right, cool, man. Is this it? Is this the show? This is, well... We're going, we're going raw right now? Right there. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Yeah, which... Uh, as a quick thing, I, before every show, I do like a quick scroll and dive into the Instagram. I right. didn't know that on your uh, the band around your arm is a Chuck E. Cheese watch. Yeah, yes. It's my Chuck E. Cheese gauntlet. Did you build that yourself? Uh, no, not really. I bought the band and I bought the watch. I had to replace the, the battery in the watch uh but uh and then i just threaded it through i love the watch so much but it's a children's watch um because they used to have these ads for a hercules watch band and i i always loved that i always loved those and i always wanted one and uh i've worn some uh version of this uh for like 20 years now i actually i had one it was so hot out one summer day I had one, it actually melted off of uh, my hand, off of my wrist. Holy crap. Um, but I have, I, you know, I've, I've put like calculator watches on it and stuff. It's usually, you know, something that would be contrary to what would be in a Hercules watch band. Like, yeah. uh, like this. I'm working on getting one of the, um, the, the robot transformer watch. There's a, a Takara watch mm -hmm. that, that transforms from a watch into a robot, but it, it needs like a special uh, cradle. Anyway, yeah, that's my Chuck E. Cheese watch. I love it. I, I saw that and I, and I stared at that photo for a while thinking like, man, the company that made that is insane. And then I thought, no, that, that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no. So let's dive into Barbarian. We're going to start all the way from the beginning. We could talk about Chuck E. Cheese for the rest of the fucking hour too. And oh. I'd be okay with that. Well, see, now I'm in a dilemma because I really do love right. Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, then fire off, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you start in the toy scene in what year? What is your oh, first? Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, I don't fucking know, man. Like forever. You know, I've been doing, I've been customizing toys, uh, you know, since I was a little kid, you know, I, uh, you know, there's that age 
you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you play with toys, but then you hit a certain age where you're like, you know, I'm not going to get a girlfriend <laughs> if I keep futzing around with these fucking toys. Yeah. But, you know, but I always, I still love the toys. So I, uh, you know, I started like modifying the toys and, and doing like customs and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I guess it's like in Toy Story, the, 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 the twisted next door neighbor that would like chop off the heads and like and put those. I did I did a little bit of that. But I also did like um, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I, I, I started listening to punk rock. And one thing that I really fell in love with was Guar and uh, uh, just my entire life became everything about Guar. And I saw there was a, a there was a um, a magazine called Alternative Press and they were doing a, a Guar contest where you could become a worthless slave. Guar used to have these slaves on the stage and they were basically like stagehands and stuff. Yeah. And uh, they would do like all the skits and they would come out, they get their heads cut off or their hands cut off and they'd spray blood into the audience and shit. And first prize was to become a worthless slave uh, on stage with Guar. I was like, I gotta fucking have it, you know. And so uh, at at the time, you could still get like um, a knockoff GI Joe figure at the dollar store. Yeah, like with the yeah. the, the hip articulation and the, the rubber band and like all the cool little articulation. But it was like these fake GI Joes. So I bought a bunch of GI Joes and I custom made every single one of every single member of Guar. Um, and I made all these Guar toys, you know, and uh, I sent those in. I even they, they've got a big Tyrannosaurus Rex called Gorgor in Guar and they, they fight this big giant uh, dinosaur. I even made like a sock puppet of, of Gorgor yeah. and all these fucking toys and all that shit. And uh, I just happened to have it right here. I won second place. I did not get to be the worthless slave, but I did get this worthless slave award. Oh, I love that. Uh, you know, it says, dearest loser, you've lost miserably in this stupid contest. And uh, they sent me a bunch of guar shit, uh, you know. And so, I, you know, I've been doing this forever, you know. Yeah. And uh so even there, I was doing like puppets and toys, making toys, uh, swapping out heads and shit. You know, I've been doing it forever. So, I mean, and then like in my adult life, I fucking, you know, I, I uh, after high school, I, I went to a community college for a couple of years. And um, I hated it because I, I wanted to, I was there to learn art, but I wasn't learning about the artwork that I wanted to do. I wanted to do like comic book art and, and stuff like that and uh, animation and stuff. And so I, when I left there, I, I went and I just, you know, I did some animation with some of my friends and, but I, I, I really just learned, I went off and I learned how to paint and, uh, you know, and then like maybe 10 plus years ago, I started doing some paintings of toys, some He-Man paintings, uh, a bunch of He-Man artwork and stuff. And, um, you know, so, I mean, to toys have always been, like, right there. Toys and comics, yeah. for me, 
ever since I was a kid, you know, I, I never grew out of them. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when did it start? I mean, it, it, I, the answer is it never stopped. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, even when I was doing like the paintings of, uh, of the artwork, uh, uh, the paintings of the toys, um, you, you know, then I, I started, I'm like, you know, I really, I gotta make the fucking toys. It just wasn't good enough to, to paint them anymore. Like I, I had to actually make the, the toys, you know, and, uh, I've been a fan of Suck Lord for for years, um, and uh, then there there's this guy in Germany, Underworld, uh, Underworld Muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Luke Toywalker, and he and he was he was the only guy. I wasn't on Instagram yet, and uh, he was the only guy I saw on Facebook making them, and uh, and he was making such cool shit, and. Um, you know, and it, he, he started changing my mind and that's, that's when it was like, it's not good enough to just paint them. I have to make them because, because I've also done sculpture ever since high school as well. So, you know, making that transit transition was, was easy. Uh, it was easy too, you know? Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's my life story. Where we go. We're going to cut it short. There you go. <laughs> so it start like it never stops. And you like, and you can always tell the, the diehard toy people when they never give up toys. I was the, the idiot that was like, oh, I can chase women around. So I'm going to give up all my toys because they're not going to want to be around me. And then I came back to toys after I realized it might not have been worth it. There you go. There you go. Um, so you never stopped. But when did you become Barbarian Rage, as we know, the name? And where did that name come from? Um, you know, a long time ago, Jesus, probably over 10 years ago, um, I had this idea for a game. And uh, I, I really wanted to make this game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, it, it was like a bolt of lightning had hit me and like all of the rules for this game, everything sort of like hit me. And it was like, it did feel like a bolt of lightning hit me. You know, it was, it was just like an entire instruction booklet had, had like downloaded into my brain. And, uh, and I was like, that would be such a fucking cool board game. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to call it Barbarian Rage. Mm -hmm. And um, this is at the very birth of podcasts. I mean, you could argue that. But, I mean, it, it, it's just like when the, the podcast boom, like, first started. And I was working at a job where you could listen to podcasts. I could listen to podcasts all day. And, um, and I was like, I got to get this game made, man. And... Uh, I was like, I wonder if there's a podcast that will instruct me on how to get this game made. And um, I, I couldn't believe my eyes, but I found one. Okay. I, I found this, this podcast. It was called Funding the Dream. And it, don't look for it. It doesn't exist anymore. 
But this guy, he was like a Forbes writer, and he was telling you how to exist in the board game space of Kickstarter. And this was also at, at the infancy of, of Kickstarter. Mm. It was before I mean, it was before it was like a household name. And uh, it was before even like the first million dollar Kickstarter. You know, there's probably two dozen million dollar Kickstarters actively going right now. Yeah. Uh, but um, it was before the household name. And it was before it was the way to get everything done. But all these people were getting board games made. And I was like, this is what I got to do. But this guy was like a Forbes writer. And, uh, you know, up until then, I, I only focused on the creative stuff. You know, I was a painter. And even at that job I was working at, I was I was in the art department. I was painting fucking fishing reels. <laughs> and uh, so you'd sit there and paint fishing reels. And I listened to this guy talk about how to make board games but it was the business side of getting this stuff done and um it really opened my eyes to that end and um you know one of the things that he said was he's like do something that you can do every day or every week something that you can be consistent with he's like if you have a if you if you're a good writer write a blog, do it once a day, three times a week or once a week. It has to be consistent. And uh, I have a twin brother, Adam, and I, and you know, it's our job in life to make each other laugh mm -hmm. and goof off. And I was like, I'll start a podcast uh, with my brother, Adam, and we'll call it Barbarian Rage. And uh, that, you know, part of the business part is, is get, people interested in you and who you are and then you know say hey well i'm working on this thing uh you know we need some funding you know because the key to kickstarter we interrupted this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this meanwhile the galaxy of bootleg treasures dov2 we have an engine failure we almost crash land on dke toy planet oh my we're doomed Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We've saved DLV2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! Sorry, I'm all over the place. You, you asked where Barbarian, Barbarian Rage came from, but it, it actually started as a podcast to try to get some followers to get interested in a in a board game and at the time i was like play testing the game and um which was which was incredibly difficult because i didn't know a whole lot of people that that played board games at the time and then the entire project got away from me and it just became this this podcast yeah and the podcast became this beast and it and it took over my entire life trying to get guests and editing and you know trying to uh, write jokes and bits and hey is this funny is that funny you know whatever and uh, the game sort of you know I, I, I lost hold of the game um, 
And uh, and part of the game was I wanted to make the the miniatures. I want like Dungeons and Dragons miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make the the minis, and so I started trying to sculpt and cast those. And um, and that that was actually when I first wanted to start making toys too. Uh, that's when I realized that uh, sculpting and casting resin is fucking hard yeah and i you know i blew through like i want to say like eight hundred dollars worth of materials before i was like i can't fucking do this this is like i just could not get my head around sculpting and casting the toys you know or the figures uh for this game so the game sort of imploded, and then a couple of years later, the fucking podcast imploded. But uh, you know, I had started making toys at that time, um, you know, because I was talking about like how to properly construct a Kickstarter, and like my first toy uh, that I made uh, was a Kickstarter. Uh, it was a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, for like a, a, a Skeletor figure. I didn't even know what I wanted to make. I called it Chainsaw Skeletor. And uh, I, the video probably is still up where I'm like, I don't know. It might be a, cello, uh, uh, a chainsaw attached to his hand or a chainsaw for a head. Like I, I had no idea what I was even doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and um, as I was doing that, I had one foot out the door anyway, because you know, during all of those years of doing the podcast, I had also been learning about how to make a, a small business. And so by the time that I would, that was my third Kickstarter was the, the Chainsaw Skeletor. Was it funded? The first two, uh, yeah, I, 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 all of my Kickstarters are funded. Um, but uh I, you know, at that time I, I fucking hated my job mm-hmm. and I had one foot out the door anyway. And, um, and I was like, you know, this, this, this feeling I had inside where I was like, I really feel like there's something with these toys, you know, I've done, I've done some comic books and I've, uh, you know, I don't have some real heavy animation under my belt, but I've, I've helped, um, with some animation and I've never really felt like at home doing anything until I found toys. You know, I, I worked at a portrait uh, website for a long time. I used to do portraiture and painting and, and all this shit, but, but it never really felt accepted anywhere or people actually gave a shit about my artwork other than uh, until I started doing toys, you know, Mm. So I was doing this Kickstarter for um, this this Chainsaw Skeletor, which up until then I had casted one tiny little thing. And uh, the Kickstarter was going on and I started making some actual money on the Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, my my job had put me in a bad place one day. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to fucking go make these toys. And I talked it over with my wife and she was like, you know, uh, I believe in you. And, uh, 
you know, the next day I went into work and they go, Hey, you know, Scott, we just want to thank you. Uh, or, you know, the, the boss, he goes, I just want to thank you for not quitting on us yesterday. And I was like, yeah, well, um, I'm quitting today. Yeah. And I said, here's my, I said, this is my two week notice. So, um, so that was it. You know, I, I quit my job prematurely. Um, but you know, I, up until then, I knew for years that I wanted to quit. So I was saving like all of my money so I could eventually just say, you know, fuck you. I quit, man. Um, and, uh, and that's what I did. You know, I don't recommend that for people. Like when I see people that are like, well, quit my job to make toys. I'm always like, Oh my God, dude, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, it's like um, Decline of Western Civilization 2. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. You know, uh, they, they, uh, they go around, they say, what do you say to people that want to be in a heavy metal band? And everyone's like, don't, fucking don't get into the business. Don't get in the business. And then Paul Stanley of Kiss goes, well, I, I say, if you want to, go for it. I made it. Why can't you? Uh, so, and I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not on the level of a Paul Stanley or anything, (laughs) but, uh, I did quit my job and I, I am making it happen. Uh, you know, whatever that means, whatever, you know, whatever your definition of success is, then, then whatever. Uh, but you know, I'm doing it. So there you go. Living the dream. That's what Dubs does. Yeah. (laughs) And as a snippet, you you were about to say it, and then you like went back to your story. You said the key to a good Kickstarter, and then you stopped. Oh, <laughs> uh, the key to a good Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Uh, Seth Godin, um, you know, all of my business uh, advice it, it doesn't come from me. So when people and people are like, "Well, I'm not going to listen to Scott. What the fuck does he know?" Uh, I'm just regurgitating what smarter people, uh, what I've gleaned from smarter people. Yeah. And uh, Seth Godin is like one of my favorites. He, he's, he's fantastic. Um, the, the key to a, a good Kickstarter is people have already got to want what you are offering by the time that you get to Kickstarter. Mm. Seth Godin says it shouldn't be called Kickstarter. It should be called Kick Finisher. So you have already got to chum the waters. You, you have already got to say, hey, everybody, I'm making this, uh, uh, you know, like the, my last Kickstarter was this comic book. And uh, so, I, you know, what I did was I chum the waters. I go, hey, everybody, the Barbarian Rage comic book is coming soon. And, uh, you know, for updates, join my email list. Uh, go to my website, barbarianrage.com and uh, sign up for my email list, which, by the way, go do that. And, uh, and then, um, and then I gave it away for free, you know, which you can still, you can still get a free digital copy. If you go to my website, sign up for my email list and, uh, all of my, all of my exclusive stuff goes straight to my email list. And, uh, so, uh, you know, by the time that I did that Kickstarter, everyone on my Instagram already knew it. Everyone on my email list already knew it. Everyone on Facebook, you know, whatever the fuck that means. I, you know, that Facebook has completely gotten away from me. Um, 
but you know, I even ran some ads for it and stuff. So by the time, by the time you get to Kickstarter, people have already got to say, look, man, I already got, I got 10 bucks set aside for this project mm-hmm. and, and I want it, you know? So, you know, the, the, the big, the big mistake that I think a lot of people do with Kickstarter is they go, all right, everybody, I'm here for my free money. And then everyone goes, well, who the fuck are you? Yeah. You know, you go, Hey man, I'm making this toy. You know, I need $50,000. I'm making this fucking toy. And they go, well, what toys have you made in the past? You know, well, this is my first one. They go, well, who the fuck are you? Well, you know, I'm the best thing about doing this. And everyone's like, I don't know who you are. I don't trust you. You know, so like when you go onto Kickstarter, you know, and that's what I was saying about doing the, the podcast is that if you do a podcast every week or if you do a blog every week or a whatever, people start to know who you are. And they're, and they're like, uh, you know, well, I, you know, I like Scott. And, uh, you know, and they might even say like, well, you know, a comic book isn't even my thing, but I like Scott and I want to support him. What he want, what he's doing, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, that, that's a big part of it is letting people in and, and know who you are and, uh, and then announcing it beforehand and, mm-hmm. and really stoking everyone um b- before the the kickstarter actually hits yeah you know so so that's when you get those people that are like our shit funded in 3.7 seconds you know it's like uh, that that project was front loaded with work mm-hmm. you know um yeah you can't just show up and expect the the money to to flow hmm that's and good. That, and that, that, that's the recipe for a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, so you need to be in Forbes. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, what works for me might not work for you. Yeah. You, know, you have a weekly forum here on, on your podcast. So if you say, I, I got to get this thing funded, then you talk about it every week for a month or two. And then you go, all right, today's the day. Yeah. You know, but for a writer that's writing like a novel, they could they could release a blog every week and say, here's the next chapter. Here's the next chapter. And then once the book is finished, then they go and get it published on Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that was the thing with my comic book. I gave it away for free mm-hmm. before I put it on Kickstarter, you know, because I feel like <clears throat> people with toys comics uh books still even though people read books digitally and comic books digitally there's still a, a tactile element to uh to to those things you know there's a difference between liking a picture of a toy on instagram or uh reading a, a comic book um on comicsology you know there's a difference between doing that and buying the physical toy or adding the, the physical comic book into your collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there just is a difference, you know? So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're, you quit your job, you're sitting, you, you get home, 
you are the embodiment of barbarian rage. It's starting, your toy is being funded. Um, what is that initial fear, adrenaline? What's that look Everything. like? Yeah. Everything, man. I had a mental breakdown almost, you know, um, because, you know, I, I started making the toy. Like I said, up until then, I had only casted one little like play-doh fucking thing you know it was a it was a it was a super easy like a dump mold thing even and uh and then i jumped right into like an actual like a a he-man toy with the snap-on armor and it came with like a decapitated he-man head holy crap and um you know, uh, and a weapon, it came with chainsaw. And like, so it was like one, two, three, a bunch of pieces. And, you know, it took forever, you know, and it was like $20 or mm-hmm. something like that. It, you know, like now, I mean, a $20 toy, I, I mean, it, it's crazy. It was like fully painted and, and everything. It, it took months and I lost my ass. I, I lost a lot of money on it, but um, you know, the, the money wasn't even to fund the toys. The money was to fund the equipment to make the toys, you know? Mm. So there, there's, there's a little, uh, tip for anyone out there that's making toys that doesn't have a pressure pot, uh, or, or, you know, whatever. If you say, Hey, I'm going to make this toy, but I need to, I need the funds, uh, for some equipment and stuff, do a, do a Kickstarter, you know? And, um, so that's what I did. So, I mean, my first day working for myself, I didn't even have a, 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 a workbench. I didn't even have a table. My first day, I drove to the thrift store and bought a fucking table. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and, and I was like, and then I went and I bought uh, the pressure pot and the vacuum chamber and all that stuff. And... Um, and then I started casting this toy and the pieces weren't coming out. And I had no idea how to make the thing. And, um, you know, I, I start losing sleep and then I get these thoughts of, you know, I'm the biggest piece of shit on the planet and how can I even live with myself? Uh, so, uh, and I'm like, and I quit my job to do this and, um, you know, I never went to school for this. I don't have a degree in anything, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm untrained, unskilled. And the only thing that I've been doing my entire life is artwork. And I was like, this is my only fucking chance to actually prove myself to be an artist. So, you know, then all of, all of those feelings and thoughts come crushing down uh, like an anvil um, and self-doubt, imposter syndrome, uh, you know, all of that takes hold. And then then the toys aren't coming out to boot. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I can't make a decent pull of a fucking Skeletor toy. I want to jump out of a window and um, you know, there was one point where I was like, I'm just going to fucking buy everyone a Skeletor toy. 
and um you know just admit defeat you know i can't fucking do this man i i can't fucking do this and uh but you know then that thought of this is your only chance this is your only chance to make it as an artist to be an independent artist and go out there and make a fucking name for yourself so sit down and figure out how to make a fucking skeletor toy and go fulfill the kickstarter and it took a couple months and i i did it wow holy shit and yeah so that i mean in that process of you trying to get good pulls and stuff mm -hmm. like you was that the moment that you just kept wasting so much material just trying to figure out how to get it right was that the main piece to practice on yeah well that and you know there there were a couple other things where i'm like you know let me look at for something that i think would be easy mm -hmm. to cast you know because this was also like five or six years ago and people were a little more tight-lipped about how to how to how to do their shit mm -hmm. you know and um you know i eventually i did make one I, and I did, you know, around that time, I think the second, one of the, uh, one of the earlier toys that I made was a, just a, a barbarian figure and it was an original sculpt. And, um, I took that to the He-Man convention, uh, five years ago, five, six years ago, something like that. And I met up with, um, Tim, extra truck restrial which uh, you should have him on, man. He, he's a wealth of knowledge and, and a, a super fucking nice guy. Him and Victor's Vintage, who's another guy that you should have on. because he's, uh, He was at Designer Con. I don't know if you, if you met up with him, but yeah. him Iceland, and his right? wife come. Yeah, they're Icelandic, this Icelandic couple that I, I, I just love them uh, so much. But, you know, we got together at He-Man, at the He-Man convention. We walked the floor a little bit. But then it was just like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm like, dude, I'm having so much trouble with this and this and this. And, and uh, Tim was just like, you know, he'd been doing it for years by then. And he was like, you got to do it like this. You got to do it like this. And, you know, I, so much, you know, he, he really put my mind at ease, him and Victor, because Victor uh, had been doing some fucking awesome stuff at, at the time. And, um, and then we did the He-Man convention together for a couple of years after that. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then Victor got banned. You should have him on just for that story alone, man. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll, I, that's his story to tell, but, uh, but he, he's fucking hilarious. Him and his wife and his whole family. I just love him. Um, but yeah, you know, when I was having trouble with that, there, there was a little bit there, uh, a little bit of relief there. And then, um, you know, when, when people, you know, especially when they go, well, I, 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 I made this one toy and it did and, and it fucked up, man. How do I make toys? And I'm like, go make a hundred, you know, go, yeah. go make 200 toys, 
You know, there, there's no substitute for experience. Uh, I don't know who said that, but, uh, you know, I, I, I say that to everyone because all of my shit was fucked up, you know, and I gave up several times, you know, like when I was doing the board game and I wanted to make my own pieces and stuff. I, you know, that's, that's when I, that's, that's when I was like, fuck this, man, I can't do this. You know, and I did, I gave up, you know, and, you know, so then when it came down to it, when it, when, when I was like, I quit my job and I was like, I have to do this. You know, I, I I don't think that people have, you know, like this is a hobby for most people and they don't have like a rock bottom where, where they, where they hit it and they go, you know, because if, if this was just a hobby to me, like, I can't fucking make these things, you know, because I was working at the factory originally when I was like, I can't get this shit to make to work. So I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll go make some black velvet paintings mm. or I'll go do, or I'll go do uh, uh, some of my other artwork. You know, I'm just not fit to do this. But then when it came down to it, where I was like, I already, the Kickstarter's over. I've already funded, I've already taken everyone's money. Um, I, this, this is do or die, you know, and, and I was, and, and failure was not an option, you know? So when people are like, well, I can't get this to work, you know, the answer is because it's fucking hard and it yeah. takes a, a lot of practice and it takes a lot of work, you know? Um, so, you know, who knows? I, I, you know, without that, that, critical point you know who knows if i would still be making toys now so so there you go what so what you got to do is you got to go have a miserable time and uh and right before you commit suicide you think oh well maybe i'll give uh making toys a second shot there we go this is what's gonna save you yeah or <laughs> the other option so you make that toy you get through it you ship all those things. Yeah. At what point in this like full-time toy making business that you are creating, at what point do you start jumping into full-time convention stuff, working uh, with producing your exclusives that you produce, like all that stuff? Is it a couple of years that following the Kickstarter? Uh, you know, I mean, all that stuff just, it just falls in place, you know, um, the, that, that year that I quit, I had bought tickets for designer con before I quit. And then I went to designer con after I quit, you know? Um, so, and that was my first year there. And that was like six years ago. And it was like, you know, it was this, this, um, this breath of inspiration, uh, you know, and I was like, I'll, I'll do anything to get a table here next year. And I knew that being, you know, doing convention stuff, that's just part of the game. You know, that's just, it's, it's part of you know the business end of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I knew that I wanted to do that. And I think at the time I had already talked to someone about getting a table at PowerCon, which is the He-Man convention. 
and, um, you know, a couple smaller things. And, uh, you know, like one thing that I hear a lot of people say is like, well, I did this convention. I didn't make any money. So it's fucking shit. And it's like, well, those conventions are for not really for sales. Uh, you know, for some people it is, you know, it, everyone's different. Um, so I, you know, just doing that, those conventions and the exclusives and stuff. I had a Patreon there for a second, uh, which uh, I've, uh, uh, I, you know, whatever. I don't have a Patreon anymore. And, uh, you know, the exclusives and stuff. I mean, toys and exclusives go hand in hand, you yeah. know, you, 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 you know, however you want to do those, I, I, you know, I don't know. The, the, and the conventions is just something that you have to do. Uh, we interrupt this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Earth 2 Aliens have landed. Earthling. I want lowbrow art and bootleg toys. Toys, 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 toys. Well, you come to the right place. Earth to Kentucky is a shop for folks who love vintage sci-fi, lowbrow, and art bootleg toys. Toys, toys, toys. They're located over there at 836 Main Street, Covington, Kentucky. Toys, toys, toys. They carry original art, vintage action figures, designer bootleg toys, and toys, 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 and t-shirts. Designed exclusively for their store by some of their favorite artists. Thank you, Earthling. I enjoy Earth to Kentucky. I have all my favorite bootleg art toys. toys. Hey, look at that over there! It's a spaceship! Yeah. I need to go now. Someone's filming me in my spaceship. Shop now. www.earthtokentucky.com That's earth2kentucky.com Or just land your spaceship when they're open. It, it establishes you as a business and as a name or as a player, you yeah. know? I know that you, we talked a little bit about it um, on the recap episode and uh, that night when we were hanging out, uh, but you want to go into that first year of running the, con- like your own booth at the convention? Uh, my own booth. That The first year that I got a booth, I actually, we split. <laughs> okay. This is when Decon was not in Anaheim in that massive space. It was in uh, Pasadena. And they, and the year, the one year I went, it was packed and you, you couldn't even walk around. It was so tight in there. And, uh, the next year they opened up like this, uh, side building Mm -hmm. that no one even knew was there. And, um, we were like right by the bathroom. And the only traffic that we got was people about ready to piss their pants. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was actually kind of happy that we were next to the bathroom. Cause I was like, we're getting all the bathroom traffic. Uh, at least we got that, you know, but I split that booth with, um, Dane buzzard guts. And Chad has no talent. And another guy, I don't think he makes toys anymore. And I forgot his name even, but um, Chad like set up this, it was like this giant rack and, you know, like was splitting the table with four people. One of these tiny booths was four people. Yeah. 
you know, and I went there and I was like, I didn't have a setup. I just brought like 20 little things, you know, and my little corner looked like a fucking garage sale. It looked like such dog shit, (laughs) you know? So like, even there, I was like, I was like, I got to get a table. I got to do this. And I went there and I'm like, I didn't even think of a display. You know, I just thought I would come here with some toys and shit. Um, so, you know, that's another thing is like, you know, you got to learn by doing. And, you know, so by the, the next year when I was like, I have to have a display. So I went and I like built these tables and, um, you know, all these stands and stuff like that. Because Chad has no talent. He built these like bookshelves. Yeah. You know. And it looked like a Toys R Us, the way that he had set it up. And I was like, holy shit, that guy's really, he's really got it together. Um, and uh, so anyway, I mean, you know, you get four guys in a booth is cramped. Yeah. And that's just the guys that work there, you know. So, um, that, so you know, lesson one, have an actual display. Lesson two, uh, you know, if you're going to split it, I mean, two people would be, I guess, optimal. I don't know. I don't know. Go do it yourself. Uh, you know, you, you figure this stuff out by doing it, uh, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, so was that your only, was that a point in which you said, yeah, I want to keep coming back and do this booth or like, no, fuck this. I'm done. No, you know, the last year, that's when I was like toying around with the idea of, of making a comic book. And that's when I was like, I am going to do this comic book. And um, I made sort of a prototype for the toy that would be, that would accompany the, the, the comic book. So mm. I sort of did everything backwards. Like He-Man came out with toys first. And then they were like, here, may, you know, make a story with all of this shit. Or like Transformers, you know, where they were like, here's all these fucking toys. Make a, make a story about all this. And I was like, I want to see if I can make the toy first and then the comic book. And then I was like, uh, you know, so I didn't even have all that because I already had my mind on the comic book and, and less on the toys. Um, so, you know, I was working on that and, you know, I didn't even have, I didn't even bring my big display or anything. I, you know, so here I am again without my display I just had a couple toys on there and it looked like a fucking garage sale. I'm in between two people with these immaculate setups. This girl next to me had like all these cool toys and all this awesome artwork. And she had a, a giant, like, uh, you know, like when you meet like Mickey mouse, like those, uh, the, the mascots, she had like a big giant fuzzy mascot out there. Like, uh, Uh, you know, and I'm sitting here, I got three fucking toys sitting here. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Um, but, um, you know, the next year was COVID and COVID, you know, and I had done a couple other shows, you you know, um, I even said yes to Creature Bazaar and Creature Bazaar got cut down by COVID. And that was the last straw for me. That's when I was like, okay, it's time to do the comic book you have to focus on the comic book. And so I think it was that day that Creature Bazaar got canceled where I was just like, fuck everything else. 
I'm just going to do the comic book. And, um, and that's what I did, you know? So this year when, um, designer con rolled around, you know, I had a couple toys, you know, I always have some irons in the fire and if push came to shove and someone was like, we got an opening at designer con, you know, I, I probably could have stayed up for a couple nights and, and cranked out some stuff. You know, I do everything in house, you know, I do my own artwork. I do my own packaging and I sculpt all of my own stuff and cast and paint and all that stuff. So if I needed to, I could probably put something together if I, if, if I needed to, but, but you know, and one thing that we were talking about on the decon wrap up show with you is, is walking the line of, do I want to go walk and enjoy myself and go see everyone's cool shit and go have a cool time? Or do I want to stress out for a week and a half and not get any sleep and then drag all my, uh, drag my ass off to designer con and uh and go man the booth for an entire weekend you know um i make it sound so dreadful but it's fun (laughs) it is fun to do to sit there and do you know man your booth you know um but this year it was just uh i just want to go walk around and and not have to commit to anything and um so but that's going to change the, uh, in 2022. You know, I've, I've got two comic books out now and, uh, I just finished my third one. I've got some new toys on the way and I want to go do, you know, more than just designer con, you know, uh, I want to do some comic book conventions and, uh, you know, go around the country and go sell my wares. Yeah. Become a vacuum salesman. You know, um, so yeah, when I'm, I'm interested, we're going to mm-hmm. divert a little bit. I'm interested in a couple pieces you've done because you sure. as an artist is it's crazy to me, right? Like so mm-hmm. many of us make toys or so many of us just do what, but you've produced so many different things and mm-hmm. I don't generally see that everywhere. And so mm. the first one I want to talk about is that felt painting you did for uh, E2K for the Twilight. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Like, let's talk. Where did that skill come from? What What the hell was that about? That was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I've been doing those for like a good 15 years now. <clears throat> I, a long time ago, I started having these dreams. <clears throat> Pardon me. I started having these dreams where it wasn't even, um, it, it was just a static image. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, was, it was blackness with an image on it. And, and, I, and I could tell that it was a black velvet painting. And um, it was almost like a slideshow. I, I would see a couple, and I, and I started having these dreams uh, for a couple nights. And, um, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And I want to, I want to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I started reading an article, you you know, and then at the time, I don't know if there is any articles on it now, but it wasn't like, this is how you do it. Yeah. 
And I read an article, uh, it was the history of black velvet painting and this, the one guy that, you know, black velvet paintings are usually seen as lowbrow, low value. When I was a kid, you could, you, th there was people selling them on the corner. You, you, you go past the corner and they'd have like 50, um, black velvet paintings of like Elvis and, and stuff like that. And you can go buy them for like 10, $20. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're usually seen as low value too. But the, but the one guy that sort of made it popular, his name is Edgar Leeteg. And I read uh, a, a couple articles on him and uh, I just, I, you know, I couldn't find a whole lot outside of uh, any Leeteg stuff. And that's when I was like, you know, again, when I say there's no substitute for experience, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy some fucking black velvet and I'm going to stretch it like a canvas and I'm going to paint on it. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time, all of my, all of my paintings, you know, by the very shortest would take me like two weeks to finish one painting. And I stretched that black velvet and I, um, I had never worked in oil paint before I bought some oil paints and I did, I did a painting and I think it was like 20 minutes and I was like, Whoa, Holy shit, man. I'm like, I just did a whole painting in 20 minutes. Yeah. I was like, let's, you know, let's get another hit. Let's do another hit of this. You yeah. know? <laughs> and I was like, so then I just went, I started buying stretcher bars by the box and I bought a bolt of black velvet and I would just sit there and I fucking stretch them all day and sit there and do paintings on them all day. And, um, so yeah, I love black velvet. It's like one of my favorite mediums, you know, I did do some toys that were stretched on little black velvet and it was like a black velvet painting of Darth Vader. And then I mounted, a uh, fuzzy like flocked uh vader mounted onto the painting i love that so mm -hmm. like what's maybe you can help me what's the difference in painting on black velvet versus painting on canvas how do you have to paint nothing no it's apples and oranges man it's it's two completely different fabrics you know like one you know unless you treat the canvas you know you're you're starting from white and with black velvet you're starting from black you know, even just that, that mentality of putting color, building up from white and building up from black is, is you, you have to change, uh, you know, your, your plan of attack, you know, how, how are you going to go in on it? You know, if you watch Bob Ross, every once in a while, he'll start with a black canvas and, and, and the way that he paints that canvas versus a white canvas is, is two totally different things you know so uh and then you and then you add the 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 texture the change of the texture of canvas to uh to black velvet i mean it, it's totally different you know so i mean you watch um there's a guy bruce white who he's he's the king of black velvet right now and I see some of the stuff that he does, some of his work in progress. And I was like, he does this totally different than I do. Maybe that's why he's so much better than I am. But 
but he, I think he even uses acrylic and I use oil. It's two totally different things. Yeah. You know, even, even that, even that difference of using acrylic on black velvet versus oil on, on black velvet, two totally different things too. Rad. Well, it, it was, it was incredible to see. And then uh, you posting the different um, as like the process, as you were going through that painting, you eventually posted. That. Yeah. Cool. I, you know, I try, I try to, I try to take some progress shots. I'm really bad about it. You know, I, I know some people like to see the progress shots, but you know, when I'm working, um, I'm usually so deep in concentration that it's hard for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to stop everything that I'm doing and I'm going to pull out my fucking phone and take a picture of what I'm doing. And I'm like, and that won't interrupt the process at all. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, I'm sculpting a toy right now and uh, I was talking to Kerfloss about, uh, about some of the process of it. Cause I was looking at some of the stuff that he was doing at designer con and I was telling him about this armature that I was making and, and all this. And, and he's like, Oh, let's see a picture. And I was like, yeah, I don't have a picture, man. <laughs> and, and like, he, all, he, I could tell you, he almost seemed like personally offended yeah. that I didn't have a, a picture of my process, but you know, I I'm almost done with it. And I'm like, I don't have one fucking picture of 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 the process of this it's just i feel that it's very intrusive um because even i've tried to do like stop motion uh video of me doing paintings and stuff like that but even there you have to set up the the, the camera in such a way that you have to like move out of the way so you yeah. get the, the camera uh, set up and stuff like that. I, I feel like it's too intrusive. So I, I do try to get some, some progress shots. Um, but, uh, you know, but that's hard too, because I also don't like to, I don't like to post work in progress until it's done mm -hmm. because I've posted work in progress shots and then the fucking thing bottoms out and it never happens and then people are like, oh, hey, what happened to this? I, you know what? My first time on Toy Geeks years ago, I was like, here's my new toy. Everyone, hey, keep your eyes peeled for this. And then it never came out. It, <laughs> it like got destroyed in the mold. Yeah. And I got pissed. And I fucking, I threw the toy at the wall and it shattered. And I, never to be seen again. Uh, and it never came out and I was just like, I just like swept it under the rug. Um, so I, and that's happened to me a couple times. So it's like a, so it's already a bad luck charm for me to do that. Uh, so, you know, if I do some work in progress shots, it's only until after the entire thing is done. And most of the time after it's sold out, mm -hmm. then I'll say like, well, here, this is how I did it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's tough to like to talk about taking progress shots and, and showing the process and stuff, especially when you reference someone like Kerfloss, who his yeah. whole entire like scene that he is creating is just about the process and 
he's stuff. all process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And stuff that I, like, you know, I hate saying that because his final product is always so great too. Yeah. And he, and he always has such a great presentation, but like, uh, uh, you know, so I, 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 I hate saying that, and, you know, he's such a nice guy and, uh, I, I like him a lot and his work is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. He just, I've noticed, uh, I, when I met him, cause we, he has an episode and then I finally met yeah. him at Decon and I just, when I walked away from his table, the only thing that I thought was, I wish I cared about anything the amount that he cares about the process and getting things correct. And it's like watching a child play with a bubble gun. Like they absolutely fall in love with it. And he is just so good at what he does. Yeah. You know, I, the thing about my process too, is I'm, I'm, I'm so full of self doubt yeah. too, that it's like, if you actually watched me doing something in real time, you would watch me, sculpt the face, then wipe the entire face off and start it again. And then wipe the entire face mm. off and start it again, wipe it off, start again, wipe it off, start again. You know, the, sometimes the only reason that I even have any progress shots is that I'll be so immersed in something and I'm like starving and I'm like, I have to go get some lunch. I have to, I'm like, after this, a- after this, after I do this, then I'm going to get some lunch. And then I go after this, after this and then I'm like, <laughs> it's four o'clock. Like you, you, you have to go eat something and then I'll stop what I'm doing. and I'll take a picture and then I'll go get something to eat. So it's only, it's only that like, I'm like starving to death and then I'll go, Oh, you know what? Maybe I should take a picture of this. Uh, you know, so, yeah. So there, I, the other piece that I really want to talk about is, well, you have a lot of pieces I want to talk about, but the main yeah. one is the cast backer with all the faces and the crazy stuff on it. Yeah. That I had never seen someone cast a backer. I'd never thought of that idea. Like I've thought about making backers out of different materials, but this was like a whole nother beast. You want to explain that process, what that was like, how you came up with that idea? Sure. Sure. You know, um, I saw, uh, you know, green plastic tunnels, which I, I love, I love him so much. And I think that, um, I think, you know, when people talk about, uh, toys as art, I think green plastic tunnels is like high art, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I, I think some of his stuff that he does, you'd never think about casting, you know, it'd be like a, a, a dented whippet canister, you know, and you're like, wow, that's wild, mm-hmm. you know? And he had, he, he was doing some backer card stuff and I forgot exactly what it was, but it looked like a gum wrapper or like a, like a rubber band or like a, a piece of aluminum foil or something. And he posted a couple different uh, backer cards. And it was like the same piece of garbage, <laughs> but it showed up on all of, of his backer cards. And I was like, he's casting those. I was like, that's a fucking brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and 
you know, because I thought that he was just like gluing some stuff down onto the backer card and then like spray painting it or something. But I was like, wow, he's casting those. And, and then my mind just, just went to overdrive with, with, with the possibilities of, of doing that. So, um, you know, I, I think he, you know, unless someone did it before he did, he, you know, he did it before I did. And, um, yeah, those turned out really good. And, uh, I think I figured out a way to do those even better. And I'm, wor I'm, I'm working on doing another one, um, coming up here soon, as soon as this resin shortage is over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I would like to do more of those cause I think they're really cool. And I think, um, that playing with, uh, <clears throat> you know, a 3d backer card, uh, like that, you know, and then mixing and matching different colors of the backer card and then doing a, an entire paint job on top of the, the card. And then the toy, I, I think it, it turns the, the whole figure into something totally different, you know, the, the, yeah. the entire project. It's not just the, the toy and it's not just the, the, the backer card. It turns the, the, the whole thing into, um, you know, something different. It's transformative, I, I, I guess. What it transforms into, I don't fucking know. <laughs> What's great? Well, when I looked at that piece, like it comes with a figure, uh, something you've cast either. I've seen a, a Gamorrean one. I've seen, a, I think, a skeleton one and a Vader one, correct? Yeah, there's there's one that's like a skeleton Vader that's like a Grim Reaper. Then one is a Gamorrean guard that I swapped out like into a, a Ram Man. And then like uh, C-3PO with Darth Vader's body. You know, it's just a bunch of like head swaps. Although the, the, the Ram Man Gamorrean guard one was a challenge. But anyway, well, I, the, yeah, those three the craziness of looking at that piece is you, you forget that there's a figure there because you're so immersed <laughs> in the backer and like how yeah. intricate it is. And, and when you paint them and like, it just looks so good. And so then when you notice there's a figure, it's like, Oh shit, I got to focus on something else for the next 10 minutes. Well, on, on the backer card there, the faces of all three of those toys are in the backer card. So yeah. I wanted, I wanted the backer to be, uh, no matter which toy goes on there, it, the, the backer card would fit because it, it would have all three of them plus a bunch of other stuff Love that. Uh, on there too. Yeah. So as you have been creating, well, let, I got to pause real quick. Your comic mm -hmm. book got picked up by the Nacelle company. Yeah. We got to talk about that. Like that's an amazing sure. achievement. Like how does that feel? What is that like working with a, I guess like the, company that is for toys like what's that feel like for you yeah yeah i love nacelle i love uh i love everyone that uh that i've met over there i've known rich for a few years now and i love him he's just uh such a nice guy and i mean so smart and he's like 
I feel like he could have done the toys that made us single handedly. Mm. Uh, you know, he knows so much about uh, uh, everything. And um, <clears throat> we met a few years ago, and him and uh, I've met a, a couple of, of people from Nacelle. And uh, they bought some of my stuff uh, over the years. I know one was like, I did the Danzig figure where he's, um, he's got the kitty litter. And uh, the people that work for Danzig had all of those pictures smudged off of my Instagram. Thank you, Danzig. <laughs> uh, but um, they, they bought... They they've gotten some of my toys and we've sort of gotten to know each other over the years. And when I was doing the comic book, I was doing the, the Kickstarter. I was trying to drum up some uh some excitement around the project. And mm -hmm. I I started emailing some people and uh I emailed them and I was like, hey, you know, if if I send you a comic book, uh uh, would you read this? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I sent it over and they were like, how about, would you be interested in us publishing this? And I was like, holy shit. Uh, you know, fuck yeah. You know, let's do this. And I was like, I didn't even know that you guys published books. Yeah. And they were like, well, we're just starting to right now. And they, that's when they told me that they were going to do the second printing of um rack toys yeah and uh, a couple other things that they were gonna do but uh and then i think it even came out in that order rack toys came out and then i think my comic book was the second thing that they published yeah and uh and now it looks like they're doing a whole I and mean, they're a whole publishing imprint you know so They've got a whole bunch of stuff. They, I mean, after, after they were like, you know, when, when I reached out to them, you know, they had done a few things. It was like, they had done uh, toys that made us movies that made us. And they had done that Zac Efron show. And uh, I know Brian, he, he's produced like, you know, a hundred, uh, comedy stand-up specials and stuff like that. So I don't want to undersell any of their achievements, but you know, to me, I was like, well, they've, they've done like th these few shows and now they're, they're going to do my shit. Yeah. And then through COVID they were like, okay, everybody, we bought this. We got power Lords. We yeah. got a, 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 a robo force. We got, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We got all of it. We're buying up all these franchises and stuff. And I was like, holy shit man yeah uh so like i they just like uh were like on this rocket ship and uh and uh i am on that rocket ship and um yeah and i got uh i you know my book coming out and uh my second issue is out and we're uh i'm wrapping up the the third issue is basically done. Um, I just talked uh, to uh, Rich. You know, Rich, he doesn't make toys, but 
he would be interesting to have on the show just because he's so knowledgeable. What's his last uh, name? His, his name is uh, Rich Merrick. Yeah, so he is uh, scheduled. Or, My, or Myrick, or uh, I say Merrick. Yeah, he's scheduled. He's the last interview that oh, happens really? this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, love, love Rich. Um, so, yeah, that's basically how it happened. I, you know, I... You know, when I reached out to Nacelle, I was like, I was like, well, I was, I was actually soliciting $10 for my Kickstarter, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, now, now, now we're here, you know? Yeah. So that, um, you know, there you go. I mean, you know, you, you, you never know, you never know who you're going to meet or, or what's going to happen, you know, doing, doing all this stuff, you know, doing the comic book. I, you know, I had done toys for so long. I always wanted to do comic books. And when I was doing, I've been doing, uh, you know, and, and comic books have been a part of my life ever since I could read. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started doing toys, if you go back far enough on my Instagram feed, there's these like, they're kind of ugly looking uh, uh, barbarian toys. And I did these four strip panel comics of them is usually just like a dick joke or, you know, <laughs> something stupid. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, people, people liked them. And, um, and I was like, you know, I'm like, maybe, maybe I can do like a full actual comic book, but you know, the toys were like four points of articulation and they, and they weren't, you know, you know, uh, so I couldn't move them a whole lot or do a whole lot with them. So I was like, if I could get like fully articulated toy and do the comic book that way, and that's what sort of, that was sort of the, the birth of this comic book. And uh, because, you know, for anyone listening that, that has not read uh, Barbarian Rage, it's not like a drawn comic book. It's, it's um these articulated toys mm-hmm. and it's like pictures of them it's sort of like the way that i explain it is like the way that like a animated cartoon looks like a 2d animated cartoon versus like what a stop motion animation looks like so it's 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 like 3d figures um and uh it's like it's in a fantasy setting so the reason that i wanted to do that was because of what i saw on the toys that made us mm-hmm. which is you know w- one way or two is hey we've got all these toys we need to create a mythos around them so you know like when like transformers they're like here's all these toys just make up a story about all, and include all these toys or say look we want to sell some toys you know let's create a mythos let's let's create a story and then we'll sell the toys Mm -hmm. you know so that's what i wanted to do in my mind i needed people to be interested in the comic book before i make the toys but it's worked the opposite way so many different times like uh like killer bootlegs made phantom star killer yeah. And then that became like such a popular toy. Then they, they put out the, the comic book. So, uh, but in my mind, 
I don't know. It, 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 it worked the other way around where I was like, I think people need to understand the, the, the characters in the story because to, for me, whenever, whenever I watch uh, a show, I'm always like, what's the merch look like? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, or like if I listen to a band and I'm like, wow, these, you know, I fucking love these guys. I'm like, what's their merch look like? You know, how cool is the merch? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, consumer and, and, and it could, yeah i know i know it's disgusting but uh but that to me it was key because sometimes it does work the other way where you're like wow this is a really fucking cool looking toy and then you go well, what what what's the what's the show and the show is dog shit or the or the comic book is dog shit you know it's like he-man you know, when He-Man came out when I was a kid, the toys, oh my God, I was like, I, I, before I actually got a He-Man, I would, I would run to the toy aisle uh, at the grocery store, which they used to have toys at the grocery store. And I, and I was, I, I, I wanted the, the, the He-Man figure so bad. And then they announced that there was a show. And when I was a kid, you know, I was a, a dumb kid. Now I'm a dumb adult, but I was like, wow, this show is so amazing. But you go back and watch those He-Man cartoons, they're dog shit. Yeah. The, the toys, <laughs> the aesthetic and the toys are the, are the coolest part of He-Man. And the original filmation, you know, there might be a couple good ones. But to me, with this toy, with the Barbarian Rage toy line, I was not going to start making the toys. I was not going to make a move until I made a comic book that I was happy with until I made something that I was like, if I picked this up off the shelf, I would buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, I don't make anything unless I, I pick it up and I say, I would have to buy this thing. I have to be totally stoked on everything that I'm doing all the time or else I don't fucking make it. Okay. Period. Yeah. And that, you know, that's advice that I give to everyone, especially about toys because Man, you know, you you have to be so stoked on this because you're about to spend three, four weeks doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, so like when people are like, oh, you know, I was inspired by this and, you know, I'm inspired. And I'm like, okay, inspiration is good, but you also have to have the work ethic to, to fucking back it up. Yeah. Because when you're on the fourth week of cranking out, you know, Darth Dick face, the inspiration has has gone dry. Mm-hmm. You know, the inspiration is long gone. And now you're sitting here making Darth Dick face. And you're like, what the fuck am I even doing with this thing? <laughs> and, you know, so stupid. You know, yeah. so it's like, it's like get into a project you gotta you have to be like so fucking stoked on it that you that you have to see it all the way through to the end because you know especially like in my earlier years i would start something and the inspiration would run dry and i'd be like you know it'd be really cool is if i started another project yep. and then you're sitting there with 15 fucking things nothing ever gets finished and then you go well, I'm not going to finish any of this shit. I'll start something new and I'll, that's the thing that I'm going to finish. Um, so like when people are like, oh, well, I write down all these ideas that might work for them. I don't write any ideas down 
because if it's a good enough idea, I'll lose sleep over it. If it's a good enough idea, I, I can't wait to go do it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, especially like this comic book that I'm working on. First off, I thought about doing it for fucking years before I even wrote it. And then I was like, well, I don't even know how to write a comic book. And then I wrote a bunch of comic books that never saw the day, light of day. And then it was like, now I finally got something to do. And, and then it took three months to do the first comic. And then once the characters are built, it's a little bit easier to do the next one. But dude, I just finished up the third issue. And uh, I introduced a new character in the third issue. And it took months to build yeah. it, it, just the one character, you know, and building the sets and, and, and all that stuff. I thought, well, shit, if I could just take pictures of the toys, I wouldn't have to sit and draw every single fucking panel. But, you know, there's no shortcuts and it takes just about the same amount of time. Um well, because you, so, yeah. I think you showed the process of building a massive like clay. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was it was for the comic book, if I remember right. It's the monster. It's there's a giant in the second one, and uh, they yeah they fight a giant. And you built that like I can only imagine how long it took to build that behemoth of a thing. Yeah, it, that took about two weeks. Okay uh, to build, to build the whole thing. Cause you know, with that, it's like, mouth has to move. The eyes have to move. You know, when you get into something like that, you know, everything has to be able to move because mm-hmm. you don't know, uh, you don't know what they're going to do and you don't know wh- what angle you're going to shoot them from. So, like, that's why I always say, like, even the bottoms of the feet are painted. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, the the back has to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, like for that for the giant that they fight in the second issue of Barbarian Rage, I was like, the fingers, the you know, the fingers have to move, the wrist, the elbow. Everything that moves on you has to move on him. Um, so, like, he wears armor. So you can't just, like, sculpt the armor on. The armor has to move. Mm-hmm. You know, so even there, I built plate armor. You know, he has an armored boot. You know, that that's... Uh, that's several that's several pieces of armor pieced together and everything is articulated on it. So, all, you know, all of that stuff has to be thought out in advance. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So here's my, I have yeah, a, like a last that was two weeks that, which is insane. And so when you're getting ready to build your comic, what comes to you first? Is it um, what you, this conversation that you want them to have in the, the, the plot? Uh, is it how you want them to look or is it an overarching theme? What, what comes to you first? The, the first thing is, is that it's got to be a good story. It's got to, it's got to be 
it's got to be a good story. That that yeah. to me, that's it. Because I've read so many comic books where the artwork is like, holy shit, man. The fucking artwork is, oh my God. And then you read it and you're like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. You know, I read a comic book. Um, Simon Bisley does all the artwork for it. And Kevin Eastman, I think Kevin Eastman from Ninja Turtles, you know, mm-hmm. I think he wrote, it's called Melting Pot. And the artwork is mind-blowing. It is fucking awesome. And then I got to the end of the book, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't even know what I just read. You know? So then you look back at it, and you're like, well, what's all this cool artwork about? Hmm. You know, like, it's all for naught. You know? And then sometimes you read a, a book, and the artwork sucks, but the story is cool. That, that to me, that's more memorable. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a comic book. I wish I could remember the fucking name of it right now. But each panel, it was just a white panel, and the characters, it was just a dot on the screen. And one dot would talk to, the, to another dot. And it was so engaging. And I, 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 I probably read it 25 fucking years ago. I, I, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, but I remember I loved that, and uh, I don't know. I mean, the story, number one. Yeah. Story number one. And then the aesthetic of, that, uh, of it comes along. And I knew that I wanted to base toys on the characters, so you have to make the, the characters toy addict, you know? Mm. So, it, you know, so there's a lot of thought went into it. Like, you know, like I said, and then I even was like, well, am I going to do a prototype? I, that's when I did a prototype of the toy. It was called the Gorlock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I made this, this toy. It was like one, two, three, four, five, six points of articulation. And the eye lights up. And it was all this like ball joint articulation, all rotocast and stuff. That's when I was like, no, I'm not going to make these toys. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to make the, I'm going to have these manufactured. I'm going to do the comic book. I'm going to have it manufactured. So, you know, uh, so when you say like what came first, it was the story. Okay. What comes after that is, you know, an avalanche of thoughts that I sort of just had to, to, to piece together, you know? Um, so that being said, like, the story had to be uh, the story had to be good. Mm-hmm. I, I hate saying like the story has to be awesome because then it's like, because then I went, I wrote this awesome story, everybody look at what a great uh, uh, writer I am. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say that it had to be a good engaging story that I think that I would like. So if someone picks up the book and they say the story is dog shit, and then I'm a liar, whatever. But the, the story had to be good. So then I started, I watched a bunch of videos on how to write a comic book. And Joseph Campbell, uh, like I read a book on Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey. Uh, I read a couple books on like how to write a screenplay and, and stuff like that. And then I wrote a couple uh, comic books, more than a couple. I wrote a bunch of comic books. 
And then finally, when I got to this one, I was like, this is the one, this is the one that I'm going to make. And I knew that it was going to be the toys. Mm -hmm. It was going to be pictures of articulated toys. And it was not going to be me drawing out every panel because I did do a comic book years ago and I did draw out the panels and I painted every page and I said, I will never fucking do this ever again. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's so much work that goes into it. it it's insane. So I knew that it was going to be the toys. So I wrote this, this comic book and I was like, this is going to be it. I was like, this is going to be my first issue. And there was like eight or nine characters in the, in the comic book. And I was like, dude, I'm going to have to make nine fully articulated, fully custom figures. I was like, I'm not doing that, man. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay. So now the next objective is to write a comic book with two people. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, maybe I could get away with doing one, but I'm like, I don't want to have, I don't want it to just be a, a guy sitting there talking to himself yeah. for 24 pages. And I was like, come up with two characters and then we can add characters as the book goes along. But just to get, just to get the first book done, just have two characters because, um, you know, an, another thing that I that I always say to everyone is make reasonable goals. You know, that that goes along with what what I used to do, like in my twenties, when I would go, "Well, I've got this idea for this project, and I'm going to do this," and then it never gets done because it's too big of a fucking project. And then you go, "Well, I'll do this next thing." It's too big of a project, and nothing ever gets done. Yeah. So if you go, you know, so sometimes when I see people that that are making toys, they're like, "I'm going to make a whole." a whole set of toys. I'm going to do a whole cast of characters. I go start with one, mm -hmm. you know, people that, you know, in comic books is the same way. They go, well, I'm going to write this uh, 800 page graphic novel. I go make one book for one comic book first. That's it. You know, make reasonable goals. So, you know, it, if I wanted to, to to delude myself, I, I would just say like, well, I could do a, a comic book with 18 characters in it, have a big massive battle at the end, you know, but then it would, that, that would shave eight years out of my life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I said it had to be two characters, make the two characters awesome, make them toyatic. So when the toy, when I do make the toy, the toys look cool. Um, you know, make a cool logo um, that people would want to put on a t-shirt and wear, uh, you know, like all of those things sort of wrapped up in, in, in one thing. And, uh, you know, and make the, like a painted cover like uh, all of the old uh, barbarian books that I loved so much as a kid, Savage Sword of Conan used to have these awesome Earl Norum uh, painted covers. He used to also do a bunch of like He-Man artwork and stuff. My whole life, my whole childhood 
looking back was just like all this barbarian shit. So, um, so that was it, you know, that, that, that that's it. That's you in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you want to say, where does barbarian rage come from? I mean, that's also I, the first comic book I ever bought was, uh, a warlord issue, which, you know, that was a, a, a another barbarian thing. And, um, yeah, so 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 that's it, you know. That's a a, a lot of thought goes into everything that I do, uh, you know. Yeah. Ever, like whenever anyone just says so flippantly, like, "Oh, you should make that into a toy," and I go, "I, I gotta, I gotta think about something for like a year before I move on it," you know. Yeah. Like people now, they go, "Dude, you gotta get in on NFTs. You gotta do an NFT," and I'm like. I I'll, I have to think about it for like a year or two before I before I actually do anything, you know, yeah. because because I I don't ever half-ass anything. Um, and, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing right, and the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything, and I I try to live my life uh, by that. But uh, I try to live my life by that, and um, and hopefully it's hopefully it shows through my work, you know. Yeah, I think it. I think you like. I love the idea of not half-assing anything. There are, I think, there are people that make toys or make art or make something, and they like that look or that feel of like the half-ass look, or they like that feel of the. I don't know, like just thrown together. But when you look at your art, there's intention behind it. It looks like there was skill learned, skill produced. And then like we now have the product. And so it's it's incredible. So we are coming up on that last end of this, the back end of the wow. podcast, where we get to have you share everywhere you're going to be, what's coming up for you. You have to plug everything that's going on. If you're going to re- resurrect the podcast, all oh kinds of stuff. God. No, <laughs> so my God, no. The last bit is just you plugging yourself and telling us what's coming up for Barbarian Rage. I think I just did that for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, now you get to do it for five, ten minutes. Okay. All right. Uh, my comic book, Barbarian Rage, is available on Amazon target.com barnesandnoble.com um go to barbarianrage.com if you sign up for my email list i'll send you a digital copy a free digital copy of the first issue of my comic book and uh i have all of my toy news uh everything uh exclusives uh, on toys and stuff like that People ask me if I'm going to resurrect an old toy. If I do, you'll figure out on uh, my email list. Someone just emailed me about, I did a Mac and me toy. And I said, you know what? If I resurrect it, you'll hear about it on my my email list. So Mm -hmm. sign up for my email list. You get a free digital copy of my comic book. Otherwise, go buy my comic book on Amazon, Target.com, or BarnesandNoble.com. And uh, give me a good review on Amazon. What the fuck, huh? There we go. Uh, even if you haven't read the comic book, still give me a good review, you prick. 
yeah, and read it. And I have some toys available on my website, barbarianrage.com. It's uh, some little mini figures from the from the comic book uh, in my Barbarian Rage Friendship Club starter kit. It comes with a little power coin, a Friendship Club membership card, and uh, Kilgar the Barbarian minifigure or Leech the Wizard uh, minifigure. I have a vinyl toy that I'm working on right now. I don't know when that'll be available. There's lots of moving parts, uh, literally and figuratively, on that. Um, but all of that, you know, just go sign up for my uh, email list and buy my toys and read my comic books. It would make me a very happy boy. I love that. Barbarian Rage, thank you for giving me your time for Toys on Tap. Thanks, man. All right. See you later. <laughs> we did it. We did it, Yoko. Toys on tap. Next episode. It's great. It's amazing. You're going to want to listen to it. It's not right now, though. You're going to have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on tap. The next one's going to be good, too. So stay tuned and, and, and listen to that. Toys on tap. Awesome.